0: Hey, thank you so much for joining me this morning for Bible Study Live with Matt. I'm Matt, and today I wanna to talk about how we can possibly be expected to experience joy in the midst of a broken world. And today I was inspired uh, by uh, reading John chapter 15, verse 12. And I'm gonna read that verse to you, but then I wanna actually read a little more from John 15 because I think Jesus lays out a pretty darn good uh, plan of why we are expected to have joy in the midst of everything in our world and how we can experience that joy. Um, So John chapter 15, verse 12 says, My commandment is this, to love one another just as I have loved you. And we're going to talk about that today. But before I get rolling, let me remind you the whole purpose of of me wrestling with the scriptures live uh, on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitch and all these places is to try and create some conversation without condemnation. You know, um, I don't really often elaborate on that, but this morning I'm just gonna for a second. Here's the deal. Oftentimes, even Christians, uh, we disagree on certain theology, certain beliefs. And instead of having rational conversation and, ex- and, and asking questions and explaining to one another why we believe what we believe and what... What we read in the scriptures and why it's led us to have certain beliefs, we just argue with each other. Or we say, well, <laughs> I don't know if they're saved or not. Or I know they're saved, but their theology is wrong. Or uh, they, I don't know if he's really Christian or da 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 da. And here's the reality the reality is um, there's not a person alive today who was walking with Christ when he walked in the earth. There are. Um, large parts of the Bible that were written in Hebrew, others written in Aramaic, other in Greek. Uh, the spoken language of Jesus' day, the common spoken language was Aramaic. I don't know people who speak that right now. I know that um, in, uh, in Aramaic, there's uh, one word for love in Greek. There's like four or five. So, I mean, I share that because throughout time, there are things that take place, right? There were people that were there listening to Jesus and his words, absolutely amazing, by the way. What an experience that must have been. Um, but most everything was passed down through oral tradition. And I'm not saying that saying that there are errors. I'm saying that um, throughout oral tradition, different people focus on different things and how they communicate. And then when things were written down, right, they are, linguistic changes. People don't use the same words today that they used 50 years ago in some cases. And now we're talking about uh, manuscripts that are thousands of years old. There are differences in punctuation, like none in other languages, and punctuation in English language, like commas and semicolons and other things. And where we pause in a sentence can change the way that we receive those words. Now, the beautiful thing about God's scripture is that it speaks to our hearts, right? So in spite of translatory differences, in spite of linguistic differences, in spite of punctuation, uh, God will still speak to our heart if we're approaching him with a heart that's receptive and seeking to know him. He's going to speak to us. And it's amazing if you get friends together, they can read the same passage, but God can speak to our heart in two totally different ways about it, right? Maybe in one way it's it's convicting to me because of some bad life choices I've made. And in one way it's encouraging to you because you've been spared those same bad life choices, right? So I share all that to say this, as we read through things and wrestle with them, God may draw your attention to something different than what he's drawing my attention to. We may both look at the exact same thing and and have a completely different perspective on it. So we won't agree on everything, but what we won't do is argue about it. Instead, I, I truly believe everyone who claims to follow Jesus, is called to make disciples, right? Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, right? So all of us, if we say, I follow Jesus, we're supposed to be trying to help other people become committed students of Jesus. Now, I'm hoping to do that by wrestling with this out loud with y'all. So, without further ado, let's dig in to John chapter 15. And today we're going to read verses nine through 16. I'm going to read through them all, and then I'm going to go verse by verse and break it down. So here we go. Boom. Share my screen with you. All right. I'm using Bible gateway today. We're reading from the new English translation. I like it because of the translator notes, uh, whatever you're reading from NIV, NLT, NASB, uh, amplified Bible, the message. I love the message. Gosh, I love it. But today we're reading from the New English translation because I love the translator's notes. So here we go, verse 9. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My commandment is this to love one another just as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, that one lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, I no longer call you slaves because the slave does not understand what his master's doing, but I've called you friends because I've revealed to you everything I heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that remains so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. Holy golden calf, Moses. We have a whole bunch to unpack in just a few verses, by the way, wherever you're watching from, if you watch live or after the fact, drop a comment, say hello, tell me where you're watching from. Uh, I'd love, love to hear uh, or read where are you guys watching from? So let's just start at the beginning of this. Verse nine. Just as the Father has loved me, I also loved you. Remain in my love. Let's go, just stop right there. Remain, as the translator also notes here, uh is also means reside, like to live in, to to experience, right? To live in something is to experience it, to remain in something, to reside in something. Like I'm residing in my office right i'm experiencing what it's like to be in my office i love that the first sentence jesus says here is just as the father has loved me i have loved you god loved jesus so much that he gave him authority over everything right there is a love that god has for jesus that is unmatched and jesus says just like that that's the love he has for you for me that's what he was t- saying to his disciples that love that God has for him, Jesus loves us with that much, that much passion, strength. He loves us that much. I John is so inspiring to read. It is so beautiful. And he says, so just as the father loved him, he also loves them and us. And then he says, remain in my love, reside in my love experience his love. So let's just start by saying in a world, in a world plagued by division, in a world filled with hatred and divisiveness, experience God's love. How do we experience joy in this world? By realizing first and foremost, no matter what, no matter what you're going through, no matter how hard life seems, no matter what the world throws at you, the God of the universe. Jesus, who was there from the beginning with God. Loves you more than anything. That should bring a little bit of a smile. Like maybe the corner at the very least. Because this is amazing. But he's not done. He says to live in that love. Reside in that love. Experience his love. Right? But he goes on. he says, if you... The word says, obey, but the, the translator also says, keep, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my father's commandments and remain in his love. I want to pause right there because I literally, um, a, a, a good friend of mine, Joey, um, we were chatting uh, months ago and we were talking about this because we were talking about like, does God save those who are disobedient? And I said, I believe he does. believe that he does and uh and i believe that he quoted this verse he's like listen the scriptures say if you obey my commands you'll remain in my love he's like so if people aren't obeying his commands they're out and i'm like "Ah, ah, ah, ah." that remain word means reside in live in experience that love see when i read this verse there's, there's a wrestling match here because part of me goes well if I'm not obeying God's command, is he saying he's casting me out of his love? Well, it says nothing can take us from God's hand in the scriptures. And it says while we were still his enemies, he saved us, he rescued us. Uh, it says, for God so loved the world, right? So he loved the world first before the world ever loved him back. And we know that. Humanity has a history of not obeying God's commands. So does that mean God stops loving us? Well, I would say that based on what we know about God and what the other scriptures show, that the appropriate way to, to look at this is the Now, by the way, it doesn't mean... Uh, let me Let me preface it with this. I'm not saying like go willy-nilly and disregard God's commands. I think that's foolish and it's disrespectful. And that's not how you act towards somebody who loves you right? Somebody loves you. You, you want to show them love in return. You want to be pleasing to them. You want to, you want to show them your gratitude in your action, right? So God loving us first. When Jesus says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Um, We, you know, there's punctuation all over the place, commas here and there that weren't in the original manuscripts, but I think, let me, let me, let me try and phrase it this way. If you want to experience what it's like to, to, to have the fullness of Jesus love, if you want to fully experience living in oneness and love with Jesus, then follow the way he taught, follow his commands, right? If we're not following God's commands, if we're not following Jesus commands, his commandments, then we're stepping outside of his plan. And if we're stepped outside of his plan, we can't fully enjoy the love that he has for us because we're, we're, we're walking further from him. Think of it like this. My wife, I love her. Gosh, I'm so, my wife is like the most amazing woman in the world. Like I totally kicked my coverage with her. Like truly am, I am blessed beyond what I deserve. with her. I think of it this way. My wife loves me, right? Um, if I'm traveling and I'm across the country, she still loves me with the fullness of all her love. But I can't experience all of it. I can't hug her. I can't kiss her. I can't be close to her physically. So I can't experience the fullness of her love when I'm not right next to her, right? When I'm not with her, when I'm apart from her, I can't experience the fullness of the love she has for me. So when I read this from Jesus, if you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love. You'll reside in my love. Uh, It makes me think of like when we step out of his will, when we're outside of his commands, Well, we're not close to him. So how can we experience the fullness of that love? It's just not possible when we're living apart from God, when we're not obeying his commands. And when Jesus was asked what the greatest of those commands were, it was love God, love others. Everything else hangs under those. So if we make those our focus, then our lives should mirror that. Okay, let's continue. He says, just as I've obeyed my father's commandments and remain in his love. So Jesus experienced the fullness of God's love by staying in God's plan. We experience the fullness of Jesus' love by staying within his plan. Verse 11, I have told you these things. I've told you these things. Uh Greek, the actual Greek says, these things I have spoken to you. Uh, I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. So, how do we experience joy in a in a world that is just, man, we're hating on each other over political stuff? I'm guilty of it too. I get so mad about this. Um, but we're 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 frustrated with each each other. We're showing, throwing shade at each other over political differences. This is right. This is the world that we live in. Um, You know, people are getting super, super angry over things like, um, you know, uh, the debate over gender and sexuality and the stuff that schools are pumping into our kids, which by the way, infuriating to me, I don't know about you, but it drives me crazy. The things that they're, they're shoving down children's throats in school today, it it makes me unbelievably upset, okay? But here's the thing, in the midst of that frustration, in the midst of that upsetness, in the midst of that anger even, um, Jesus says this, and, and I love it. He says, the reason he's told us these things, all of these things about how to follow God, all of these things about how to live right all of these things about loving one another it's cuz jesus says i've told you these things so that my joy may be in you see jesus saw the broken this this baffles me this is why like i go oh, i wish i wish i could fully grasp the heart of jesus but by the same token i don't cuz the pain he must experience jesus was they are from the foundation of the earth and he sees the brokenness of it all and the hurt and the pain, the rejection that he and the father must feel based on the way humanity is just disgustingly bailed on them. Yet Jesus says, I've told you these things, so my joy may be in you in spite of it all, he still has joy. Why? Because he remains in the Father's love. And he's told us right before, obey his commands so that his love will remain, will reside in us. And so he's saying he's telling us these things so that his joy can be in us too. If we can understand the fullness of the love that he has for us, we can experience joy. And it says, and then our joy may be complete. Interestingly, he didn't say, I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and my joy may be complete. He said, I've told you these things so that my joy, my joy may be in you and your joy may be made complete, may be complete. We experience the completeness of our joy, meaning like complete is it. Like nothing can make us happier than experiencing the fullness of the love that Jesus has for us. How do we keep joy in a broken world that is so divided? Then it starts with realizing how much love Jesus has for us. And, and, And when we realize that, we say, man, then I want to be like him. I want to live like him. I want to love like him. If I could do that, oh, the joy that I'll experience, no matter what's going on around me, is unmatched. It's unparalleled. There's nothing like it. Nothing can compare. But he doesn't stop there. He says, "My commandment is this." So he's telling us we obey his commands, right? We'll remain in his love. And just so that nobody could say, it seems like just so we could say, "Well, I forgot what's the commands. What are, what are we supposed to do?" Like so that there is no excuse. I love this. Jesus says, "Okay, I've told you these things so that my joy will be in you, and your joy may be complete." He says, "My commandment is this: to love one another." just as i have loved you now i want to share something with you here there is a footnote from the translator it says now the reference to the commandments plural in 1510 right obey my commandments has been reduced to a single singular commandment the disciples are to love one another just as Jesus has loved them. This is the new commandment, also referred to in John 13, 34, and repeated in John 15, 17. The disciples' love for one another is compared to Jesus' love for them. How has Jesus shown love for his disciples? It's illustrated in 13, 1-20 in the washing of their feet. Introduced in the statement 13.1 that Jesus loved them to the end. In washing the disciples' feet, uh, it says in this context, it constitutes reference to Jesus' self-sacrificial death on the cross on their behalf. The love they are to have for one another is so great it must include a self-sacrificial willingness to die for one another if necessary. So the translator says this is what Jesus is talking about here. Okay. This is important. The love one another as I have loved you is saying, if you want to experience the fullness of joy, you have to know what it's like to realize that I love you so much. I would lay my life down for you. Now, it wouldn't make you happy if I like, if you're my friend, it wouldn't bring you joy to go, oh yes, Matt died for me, but it would bring you joy to know that I love you so much that I would be willing to give up my life so that you don't have to lose yours. And Jesus is saying, if you want to know what it's like to experience the love that I have, follow my commandment. What's my commandment? Love each other the same way I loved you. How did he do that? He said, I'm willing to give it all up for you. So how do we experience joy in the midst of a world that's broken? Well, think about what if all of us did that? What if all of us were willing to lay our lives down for one another? There's not joy in, the, in, in it ha- having to happen, obviously. There's no like, yes. You know, like if my, my friend Greg went, you know, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die for you so you could live. I wouldn't be happy that Greg died, but I would have a love in my heart to know that Greg loved me enough that he, that he would trade his life for mine. And I guarantee him my friend Greg would feel that joy in return if he knew I was willing to die for him. See, that's what Jesus said here. Jesus says, here's my commandment, love one another just as I have loved you. And then in in case there was any confusion, he says this, no one has greater love than this, that one lays down his life for his friends. Another translation, that no one has greater love than this, one that dies willingly for his friends. I mean, can you imagine if everybody in this world was so selfless that we viewed other people's lives as worth saving, even if it meant losing ours? If I said to you, I would lay my life down for you. And you said, well, I would lay down my life for you. And somebody else said, well, I'd lay my life down for both of y'all. And then we we're like, well, we'd lay our lives down for you too. If everybody thought that way, there would be no war. There would be no pain. There would be no gender confusion. There would be no divorce. There would be no sexual abuse. There would be no human trafficking. There would be no verbal, physical, and mental abuse. There would be no politics because everyone would have the same heart and everyone would be filled with joy if they knew that every person walking on this planet looked at them as a person of value whose life is worth saving at the expense of our own. You know, people, I don't think people fully get it because it's just one sentence, but I say, you know, every problem in this world would be fixed if everyone would just listen to Jesus. Every problem would be fixed because there would be no need for courts. (laughs) There would be no need for, for politics. There would be no need for fighting. There would be no need for weapons. There would be no need for Someone going hungry, there is no need for it now, by the way. There is no shortage of money in this world. And the only shortages of food are manufactured shortages. The world would not be hurting if God's love was present in all of us. And would it? But Jesus goes on. He says this, verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Oh, wait, what? We're only his friends if we do what he commands us? What could he possibly mean? This explains John fifteen ten, the verse that says, if you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I've obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. The translator notes say this verse really explains John 15, 10 in another way. Those who keep Jesus' commands are called his friends, those friends for whom he lays his life down. So he's saying, look, what did he command? Be willing to lay your life down. That's how he can identify you and I as his quote unquote friends translator says it's possible to understand this verse as referring to a smaller group within christianity as a whole or perhaps Only the apostles who were present when Jesus spoke the words. Some have supported this by comparing it to the small group of associates and advisors to the Roman emperor who were called friends of the emperor, right? So like that Jesus was making a parallel like that. Others would see these words that are only addressed to those Christians as disciples that were obedient. But in either case, the result would be basically like this type of inner circle, right? Uh, Not just somebody who goes, yeah, I believe Jesus existed. Because right, going like, I believe he existed is one thing, but saying, Man, I wanna, I wanna live like him. I wanna be close to him. I wanna honor him. I wanna follow him. Uh, I, I'm willing to do so all the way to a sacrificial death. That's a different kind of relationship than just going. oh, I know, right? Like it's like I know the, I, I know the president of the United States exists, but we ain't friends. I know that Vladimir Putin exists, but we ain't friends, right? So to know of someone is different than knowing someone, and even knowing someone is different than a closeness with someone. And I love this. Jesus says, you're my friends. If you do what I command you, He's saying, look, you're, you're close to me. If you're willing to live alongside of me and do what I do, my command is this, love each other the way I love you. Verse 15, I no longer call you slaves. Now let's look at the translator note. Um, in verse, uh, chapter four, verse 51 it says this, um, the word servants, Uh, it's normally translated servant but it doesn't bear the connotation of a free individual serving one another Uh, the notes say that servant for slave is largely largely combined to biblical translation in early american times in normal usage at the present time the words are carefully distinguished a good translation is a bond servant someone who sells themselves into slavery but as this is very archaic, some people don't understand that anymore. Uh, Also, many slaves in the Roman world became slaves because Rome subjugated them and conquered them, right? They kidnapped them or they were born into households of slaves. So what Jesus, when we look at this, and this is probably pretty, pretty darn important. I no longer call you slaves. Well, Jesus said anyone who isn't following God's command, anyone who's not walking with God, is still a slave to what? To sin. So we look at this from two things. We could say, um, are we a bond servant because we sold ourselves into, into slavery under Jesus, right? Because Paul refers to himself like Paul, a slave of, of Jesus. I think it seems more accurate to look at it from the perspective of we were born into slavery, like what you saw when Rome subjugated people, right? They'd conquer a nation and then they would subjugate people into slavery. And like those slaves would have children, right? Who were born into slavery. Well, uh, sin, right? The devil, you know, in the garden brought sin into the world. And so we, uh, humanity was subjugated. One could say forced to be subjects of sin, of sinful, a sinful world, sinful empire. And you and I are born into that, right? So Jesus here, one way to look at this is he says, I no longer call you slaves because a slave doesn't understand what its master is doing. Look, until Jesus broke it down, people didn't understand. Think about the Jewish people. They had the scriptures memorized, but they still didn't grasp it. They still weren't getting what God was doing. In many ways, they were still living apart from God. They just knew the words. But Jesus goes, I no longer call you slaves. One could say, I no longer call you slaves to sin. One could say, I no longer call you a bond servant, someone who sold yourself, you know, traded your life to to be my follower, right? Willingly enslaved yourself under me. Like, that doesn't sound right with Jesus, right? Because he says there's, you know, there's freedom in knowing him, right? You will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. Free from what? Free from the power of sin. So when you tie those scriptures together, I look at this and say, I I, I believe that that. I believe in what I'm reading here. Jesus is saying, I no longer call you a slave to that sin. Why? Because a slave doesn't understand what his master is doing. Well, Jesus has told us what he's doing. He's told us the truth, and the truth is what sets us free. So it seems logical that he's saying, you are no longer a slave to sin. You're no longer a slave to the sinful life because you understand what I'm doing. He says, but I've called you friends because I have revealed to you everything I heard from my father. Can we just, can I just hit on that real quick? He said everything also translated as all things I've revealed to you all things, all things I heard from my father. Now, John later goes on to say, there's so much more. There's too much for Jesus life to even fit in one book. But Jesus says right here, I've revealed to you everything that my father revealed to me. Wow. He didn't need to keep us in the dark on some things or keep some things secret from us. He's like, I want you, my followers, to know the truth. I want you to be free. I want your joy to be complete. You're not a slave. You're free. You're free because you know the truth, because I've shared with you everything that dad told me. That is so beautiful. And then Jesus wraps it up with this. He says, you did not choose me, but I I chose you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit that remains. Again with this. Now, footnote on the fruit that remains says the purpose for which the disciples were appointed is to go and bear fruit, fruit that remains. That introduces the idea of going at this point it suggests the fruit is something more than just character qualities but rather fruit in the lives of others like people helping others know jesus that seems to be the implication because the fruit the idea is the fruit is permanent but it relates back to verses seven and eight uh, as does a reference to asking the father in jesus name so what does jesus say here You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you to go bear fruit, fruit that remains so that, so why, why fruit that remains? So that whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. So how do we experience joy in a broken world? Well, Jesus says, first, we have to know that just as God loves him, he loves us and we have to reside in experience his love. He says, How how do we do that? If we obey his commandments, then we will experience that. We'll experience the fullness of his love by walking in his way, his commandments. And what is, and and he says, and the result, the result is this, so that his joy will be in us and our joy will be made complete. So just as God loved Jesus, Jesus loves us. Just as he followed God's commands to experience fullness of God's love, if we're walking in the way of Jesus and experience and, and following his commands we'll experience the fullness of his love and when we experience the fullness of his love then his joy will be in us and our joy will be complete all of this is taking place by the way in the midst of a broken world jesus lived in one too rome was conquering and doing some yucky stuff but he goes on he says hey Here's the command love each other as I've loved you. How has he loved us? I love it because each thing he tells us thing and then he goes, Let me explain what this is. Here's what I want you to do. Let me explain what that means. Here's what I want you to do. Let me explain what that means. So he says, Love one another the way I've loved you. But how did he love us? No one has greater love than this one that's willing to die for his friends, one that's willing to lay his life down. And he says, Then he goes, And you are my friends. So basically he goes, And I am laying my life down for you. I am willing to die for you. So How do we experience joy is to experience love. How do we experience love is to live like Jesus. How do we live like Jesus? We'd be willing to lay it all down for our friends. Put ourselves second, put them first. And then he says this: You're no longer a slave to sin. You're no longer a slave. You are no longer enslaved by this world. You are no longer enslaved. By your emotions. You are no longer enslaved by those feelings of self-doubt. You're no longer a slave to the feelings of worthlessness. You're no longer a slave to the feelings of I've messed up so bad. God can't turn it around. You are no longer a slave to those feelings of sin. You're no longer a slave to the feelings of being apart from God. You're no longer a slave to any of that. You know why? Because a slave is somebody who doesn't understand what his master's do? And since we understand what Jesus is doing, we aren't slaves. We're friends. And Jesus said, I've called you friends because I've revealed everything that my father revealed to me. Brothers and sisters, can I tell you, you are a friend of Jesus. You are not a slave. You're not under the rule, the oppressive rule or thumb of some uber-conservative God who gives you no freedom. God gave, from the beginning of time, God gave humanity the freedom of everything. Adam and Eve were in a garden naked, free to experience the joy and wonder of the world. They were naked. They were told to be fruitful and multiply. And as soon as Adam saw Eve, he said, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, two became one. They were free sexually to experience one another because they were perfectly created for one another. The only thing God said is, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why would God say that? Well, the knowledge of it shifts gears from experience a relationship. We heard this from the guy at the Church of the Highlands in our leadership training the other night. It was so awesome. He said, um, the tree of life is the experience of a relationship with God. The knowledge of good and evil shifts it from a relational experience with God to trying to be like, everything's going to make sense to me, otherwise it can't be right. Man, Jesus said, I've called you friends. I've revealed everything to you that, that I've heard from my father. We are, a f- we are a friend of Jesus. We're no longer slaves. So how do we experience joy in the world? It's realizing that we have the freedom. Freedom to what? The freedom to love one another the way Jesus loves us. Experiencing joy. And this is the part that uh, doesn't make sense, probably because of that good old tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But this is the challenging thing. It seems very hard to show love to people who seem to dislike you or hate you or have hurt you. It does. But somehow Jesus says it brings him joy to do it. And he says, if we do it too, we'll experience it. The joy, that's crazy. But here's the crazier part. He said, you didn't pick me. I picked you. I picked you to go and bear fruit. Jesus knew if he calls you, it's because he knows you can bear fruit. He knows that you've got a seed planted in you that will blossom into something magnificent that nothing in this world can shut down because that seed is planted by God inside of you, my friend. You want to experience joy in this world. If I want to experience joy in this world, it has to begin with realizing that the way to experience true joy is to experience God's love. And the way we experience God's love is to walk like He walks, to walk closely with Him. When we walk closely with Him, we feel the fullness of His love. You know, Jesus, I love that He ends this with a promise. He says, I appointed you to go bear fruit, fruit that remains. And he says, so, so that whatever you ask in my father, the name of my father, excuse me, whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. Jesus ends after saying, if you want your joy to be complete, learn to love the way I love. You know, everything now that my father told me. So go and do something with it. And if you do, whatever you ask my father in my name, he's going to give it to you. Friends, I I don't think Jesus makes promises that he doesn't intend to keep. I don't think Jesus says things like that. Just, uh, it would, if Jesus didn't mean what he said, it would make him a liar or a lunatic. And he is neither because a liar and a lunatic wouldn't lay their life down for other people. If you want to experience joy in the midst of this broken world, can I challenge you to, to say, I'm going to try and love the unlovable today. Just start today. Just start today. Right now, make a choice. I'm going to make the choice to love the people that are very hard to love. I'm going to try today. Don't say, for the rest of my life, I'm going to, nope, 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 nope. Just try today. And then try tomorrow. And then try the next day. Until it doesn't feel like trying anymore. If we want to experience joy in this world, it starts with allowing ourselves to realize God loves us. God loves you. So much so that you are alive right now that in all the things that could have happened in this world, you could have been aborted, but you weren't. Your your mother could have been murdered when you were in her belly, but she wasn't. You're alive right now for a reason. And the reason is to bear fruit. And what does Jesus want? He wants you to experience the fullness of his love. And he wants his joy to be in you so your joy can be complete. And he says the only way to do that is to love people the way he loves us. Those was pretty awesome words. I want to encourage you today. Be a lover. Be someone who experiences the love of Jesus and think of it like this, man, my friend, pastor Jeff Knight at the rock church in Monroe, Washington. I love you, PJ. He said this, I think he said his father told him this water can't flow through a pipe without the pipe getting wet. And he said, uh, and I'm paraphrasing this, we need to think of ourselves like the pipe. Let God's love flow through you. Let God's love flow through you and you're going to feel it too. Let God's love flow through you and you're going to feel it too. Try giving God's love to somebody today. Hand it out like candy in a parade and feel that love for yourself. Get soaking wet in it. God, thank you so much for the people that tune in to watch live. Thank you for the people that watch after the fact, Lord, I just pray a blessing over their life that you would help all of us to love people the way Jesus loves us, God. Help us to be willing to lay our lives down for other people. Help us to be willing to set aside what we want, what we desire, uh, and help us to find joy in setting that aside if it means the opportunity to help somebody else experience your love. God, we know you. You never, your, your word never returns to you empty, God. When you send it out, it gets fulfilled, and Jesus' words are really clear here in John. Lord, help us to go bring your word to the world and help it return fruitful. Help us to bear fruit because of the seeds you planted in our heart. We love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, can I share something with you here at the end? Can I ask you a favor, please? Would you please check out the book my wife and I just released? Um, we uh, had a big old press release for it. And I got to tell you, uh, it is definitely not getting read at the rate that we thought it would. Um, But maybe you know somebody who's got a marriage that needs a little love, a little help. Uh, Our new book, uh, For This Reason, How to Live in Ephesians 5 Marriage, is out available on Amazon, uh, everywhere that good books are sold. Uh, If you want to check it out, you can grab a copy right now. Text the word love to the phone number 833-981-0002. Standard messaging and data rates apply. Frequency varies. got to give you that uh, legal disclaimer, but check that out. Text the word "loved" to 833-981-0002. Also listen, Hey, I know that uh, identity is a thing that a lot of people are struggling with right now. So can I give you a word of encouragement on that? Um, my wife wrote this amazing devotional for women. It's called filled, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna show it to you guys right now. So would you hang with me? I wanna I to show you this uh, because uh, the women that have read this book um, have just given rave reviews, and so I want to show it to you here. It is called "Filled: Hopeless to Hope Filled in 30 Days." Now you can grab the hardcover for only 15 bucks on Amazon. Paperback is nine bucks. If you're a Kindle Unlimited subscriber, you can subscriber you can read it for free but this is a, a, a beautiful book that helps women to just realize who God created them to be and that there is hope so can i just encourage you if you if you've got a daughter a sister a wife who's just she's been struggling she's feeling like you know i just don't know where i belong in this world i i i, I don't know you know maybe she's been abused. Maybe she's been hurt. Maybe she's been in a a rough relationship and she just doesn't feel her worth. Maybe she doesn't feel like there's hope. Can I encourage you to pick up a copy of this for her gift this to a, a woman that, you know, who could use some encouragement in her life. This is a beautiful, beautiful book. I actually read through the whole thing, even though I'm a man, because I can't answer the question. What is a woman? Uh, I am not one But I read through it anyway, and I got to tell you, there are a lot of pages in that book that just, um, in that devotional, that spring tears of joy to my eyes to see the encouragement that my wife shares with women. So um, check it out. Uh, It's called Filled, Hopeless to Hope Filled in 30 Days by my wife, Derek Koenig. Uh, Check out our book, For This Reason, How to Live in Ephesians 5 Marriage. And Maybe you're somebody who's just new new to the faith, and you're just like, "Um, you know, I'm just new to all this stuff. Uh, I, I, uh, I just, I don't know about this God, this Jesus, or maybe you've been wounded in church. Maybe just like, you know what? I've had a rough experience at church. Uh, I shared my journey because those of you that, that know me, you know, many of you know me from the time that I wasn't walking with God. There's like a six year period. I just wasn't, I was living so far apart from God. It's embarrassing to be honest with you. Um, but I grew up with a grandma who loved Jesus and wanted to get me involved in church. And I was like, pass swipe left. I don't want anything to do with this church stuff. Um, and then, uh, and then in about 1999, when I was, uh, 24, uh, I got introduced to a small little non-denominational church where I fell in love with God because, because I heard the story of the prodigal son. I was like, pfft, if that love's real hook a brother up and uh and i like many things i do i got obsessive and jumped in headfirst, so far as to get my ordination uh to be a pastor and all these things and then i still walked away because of the experiences i had in that same church later uh they led to a downward spiral church implosion uh and i realized i was I was putting my faith in the wrong spot. Instead of putting my faith in Jesus, I was putting my faith in the people that led me to Jesus. And a lot of us have been turned off by church because we got dragged there by our parents when we were kids or our grandparents. We get turned off to church because we see people put on their best clothes and then we hear the conversations they're having about other people uh, behind closed doors. And so maybe you've been turned off by church. Maybe you've been turned off by religion. Uh, I think Jesus would be disgusted by religion and by many of the things that we say and do in his name today. But I think it's important that we truly know who Jesus is. And so this book called Now I See, Looking for Jesus in Christianity, is, um, man, it's my story of the journey to God, falling away from him, and like a prodigal, (laughs) uh, coming back. And so maybe maybe it's, it's maybe that's how you feel. Maybe you're like, I've been wounded by church. I want to run away. Uh, I would encourage you to take a peek at it. Try it, try and, uh, read this for yourself. Uh, check out the forward by my man, Mike Phillips, uh, just a a good man of faith with a good heart, but, uh, I would encourage you to check it out. Um, I'd love to hear your feedback. Love to see uh, what your thoughts are. Um, But anyways, there you go. That's the end of the the shameless plugs at the end. But uh, that book will help you get to know me a little more and a little more about the journey that I've been on and why I'm so passionate about helping other people come to know this Jesus. Listen, I truly believe no matter where you're at in your life, you are just one moment away from walking a little closer with Jesus and experiencing the fullness of his joy inside of you so that your joy can be complete. If you don't know who he is, get to know him today. He already died for you. He already died so you could be saved. That's already done. You can't earn it. You can't get yourself saved. Nobody can get you saved. Jesus saved you. He saved you from hell. What are you going to do about it? I want to challenge you. What you should do about it is follow him all the way into heaven. That's what you should do. Don't let your salvation from hell end with life on earth become a disciple, learn who he is. Learn about this God who loves you more than anything. I promise you won't be disappointed, my friends. Thanks for tuning in. I will see you tomorrow on Bible Study Live somewhere between 7.30 and 8.30 a.m. Central Daylight Time. I'll kick it off. Uh, Click the little bell, subscribe, remind, whatever it is to let you know uh, when I go live. Thanks again. I love you guys. I appreciate you. See you tomorrow.